Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, okay we're ready. And yeah. books are sexy. Well, I'm going to open it if she's already recording. That way I can start drinking early. All right, I don't even know what we say. How do we start? Okay. I got a secret. I have a secret, and it's our secret champagne. Amanda's secret. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Victoria has nothing on me. Fuck you, Victoria. Amanda's secret is- So much juicier. (laughs) (laughs) It's Rachel's natural champagne wine. Um, It's actually cava, which probably means it's from Spain. Woo, woo. And it's called Secret. So natural wines, there's like nothing added to it. It is what it is. No extra sweetness added. That means it's going to be a nice, dry bubble. Get excited. I Just love the, me a nice, dry bubble. I know. Nothing worse than a bad, wet bubble. <laughs> <laughs> or a mean, wet bubble. <laughs> Oh, that's maybe that sound. will be my new insult for Holden. We've been insulting each other lately. You're a mean, wet bubble. There's <laughs> nothing worse. What's his best for you? Well, the greatest insult he's ever given me of all time is you're the most what the hell person ever. But yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. You know, good. But last night and. If, if you know my son, you know he's very, like, stream of consciousness. There's no, like, segue between topics. No. So last night I was bringing him home from basketball, and he was like, can you invite some of my friends over so I can go against them at basketball? And I said, sure, I guess. And he goes, you know what? You're going to be the worst grandma ever. <laughs> That's so mean. I know. It's like, that's why? Not very kind. <laughs> you just said yes to bringing his friends over so I you know, can take him down. What does that have to do with being a grandma? He's so weird. Actually, that's like a nice thing. You'd be a good grandma. You'd be like, bring the kid, bring your friends over. I know. I'll be an awesome grandma. And then he also said, told me, I don't remember how he worded it, but that I'm a butt inside a butt. <laughs> and. Poop is bigger than butts, and so that that means I'm a poop. Oh, that's very, very. I was like, I don't, I don't know that your logic is totally sound, Holden. But okay, I appreciate your complex thinking. Holden handed me um, two index cards last night, and he goes, "These are for you," and they were in bubble letters, and one said "sus." (laughs) <laughs> and the other one said ass. Oh, double ass. There's a correlation there. There's a connection. Um, he also told me his favorite word is hell because his name starts with hell. <laughs> no, not quite, sir. Close. Close. Helden. <laughs> this is delicious. I feel like we've had this one before. Maybe if you have like um, perfect memory, you know, auto recall. 
you might recall in one of our many episodes <laughs> you that we you tell recall. us you tell us have we drank secret before i feel like we have anyone who has listened to the podcast religiously if you present us with a in order list of what we have consumed on this show then we'll send you something in the mail <laughs> we'll give you a bottle of champagne <laughs> i don't know if we're allowed to ship alcohol but maybe we'll keep it at the store for you Okay, we will briefly talk about what we're reading right now. Ellen, tell me what you're reading right now. I'm reading two books right now. Tell me what they are. Okay, the first book I'm reading is The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. Yes. Who wrote Real Life and Filthy Animals. And The Late Americans is about a group of interconnected characters, so far all gay men, Mm -hmm. and they live in Iowa City, and they're like... You know, one works at a meatpacking plant, one is a dancer, one is a writer. And so it's sort of like how they're each chapter is a different character. So it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a novel in short stories format, but it's no. edging on that. Yeah. Like it's epi- like little episodes. They're episodes. Yeah. And I think where it's going is that it will culminate into something where they're all like brought clearly together. brought together, but I'm not sure. Right. But it's cool that it takes place in Iowa City. Because Brandon Taylor went to the Iowa Writers Workshop. He did, lived- which is featured in this book. Is he originally, I think he's originally from Minnesota. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't he think might he's, live there he's now. not originally from, I think he lives in New York now. Oh, because he's big. Yeah, he's a big deal. Go to the book world. You're okay. a big deal, Brandon Taylor. Um, no, the writing is great. And mm-hmm. I used to live in Iowa City, so it's It kind feels of, familiar? Yeah, it feels familiar. He's talking about, you know, he's writing about places that I've been to. And mm-hmm. when he says, like, the corner of this street and this street or on this street, I mean, he's talking about real streets. And I'm like, oh, I, re-, you know, like, I went to a house party on that street. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, that's, that's a good book. And then that comes out in June. And then I... Um, had to take hold into basketball practice last night and I wanted to take a book, but it was like all the way up in my room. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not going up the stairs. So you started a new one. So I grabbed Our Missing Hearts off of mm. um, my shelf downstairs, which I've been wanting to read forever. And I started reading that and it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So I'd previously read this one. I may have talked about it on the podcast, but um, it very much addresses a near future time in the U.S. in which the America First agenda is like required. Um, if you are in any way um, unpatriotic or critical of the government or not supporting the America First agenda, one of the punitive measures that can be taken against you is that your children are removed from your home. So it's recalling a time when um, indigenous Americans were, um, their children were re- taken to um what, what did we call it? the the uh, residential schools. schools the residential schools so it's similar to that um but these children are placed with families that are deemed more appropriate so the fear of losing your children um is supposed to keep you in line and uh one of the character that we are operating from the viewpoint of a father and son whose mother is gone missing in the past and she was they they don't talk about her because she was associated with kind of a like the, uh, an opposition an movement. opposition movement yes her uh poetry was utilized as a tool in that opposition movement and so we're trying to understand her backstory through the eyes of two people who aren't allowed to talk about her 
Yeah. So far, it's really, I mean, it's like sucked me in right away. So, yeah. I, yeah, I only her. had to stop one time during basketball practice to tell Holden to go back to where he was supposed to go. Because <laughs> you were so focused. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there were other times he stayed, yeah. but I noticed it that one time. Yeah. That's how in the book you were. <laughs> oh my gosh. What are you reading? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm reading The Woman in the Library. That's such a generic title. But this is... You should go recreate it. I know. We should go take a picture of you in the library. I know. I'm the woman in the library. Just yes. like the woman. Not that there aren't like 100 women there every day. Can but, I take a picture of the back of your head while you're standing in the library? Yeah. And then put a bomber in the distance. Okay. And then we'll know it's World War II. But this is not <laughs> World War II. This is Boston, current day. Um, it is a whodunit kind of a mystery, but it's a literary one. It's our favorite kind, our favorite little like meta mystery. So it takes place in Boston. There is a woman who meets three people approximately her age in the library one day. They're in this, the Boston public library and they're all sitting there working on their own projects and she's noticing each of them because she's a writer. She, we find out she's in Boston on a writing scholarship and she's, she's trying to put together her next novel and she writes mysteries. Um, there is a scream in the library, a very loud women's scream. It's investigated. Nobody finds anything amiss, but then later a woman is found dead. Rachel, could you please recreate that scream? (laughs) It was just like that. (laughs) Um, but it, it sounds a fear and they're very concerned, but then they do find out <laughs> someone is dead. So their concerns were, yeah, valid. They were but valid. They're bond, these, this group of four people bonds over this experience and it also spurs the woman into writing. Remember that time we found a dead body? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's very like meta. And in addition, um, these segments of her story that she's writing are interspersed with letters. So the real, it's the woman writing the story is corresponding with someone in Boston. So this woman is actually based in Australia. She is um, enduring the wildfires okay. that swept Australia. And also we learn from the letters she's receiving from a friend stateside in Boston, who's giving her details about the city, the library to put into her writing that it's around the time of the pandemic, um, the Trump presidency. And so he'll give her little tidbits like, oh, you know, I loved your most recent chapter. I would correct these, Amer- you know, Australia Australian um, references you offered, and this is what an American would say, or, oh, you wanted him to be at a restaurant in Boston. Here are some restaurants that I would recommend. So it's this correspondence. And so what you realize is you're reading, you're reading the chapters as the writer produces them while in Australia during a wildfire. And so it's like (laughs) trying to suss out. And then within those chapters is a writer writing about people she's met in Boston. So it's very, very meta. And I'm having so much fun with it. I picked it up in um, Nashville with Rachie when we went to the um, Parnassus bookstore Ann Patchett's bookstore. And we had just the most lovely time. And that was one of their favorite books. Ann Patchett. You I should don't, be on our podcast. I know. Impatient. You can talk about any book you want. So I, I loved, that was a recommendation I got from a fellow bookseller, which brings us to the topic at hand, curation. Because guess what? We didn't have the woman in the library at our store. You know why? Because 
We hadn't read it. We didn't know about it. We didn't know. We didn't know. We had to get that from the curation of another bookstore, which is what's so cool about indie bookstores. Every indie bookstore is unique to the curation of its owners and its booksellers. So let's talk about So you like us. when you and I, because we love to go to indie bookstores. Yep. When we go, we're always like looking for books that they're featuring that like we don't know about. Right. And we're like, ooh, you know, if I'm a bookseller and this isn't on my radar, but it's on your radar, like what am I missing? Exactly. And we're doing that selfishly because we don't want to miss any good books, but also as business owners because we don't want our readers and customers to miss out on something. And we don't, we don't want to um, shortchange them. We want to have the books that people are talking about and that, you know, might catch someone's interest. So, um, all right. First thing, Ellen, what, how many unique titles do you think we have in our curation right now? Take a guess. Unique titles. Yes. This is not total volume. I I think I know total volume. I would say, I would guess Eighty five hundred. Very close. Okay. Okay. So it's eight thousand and five unique titles as of last night. Nice. That's before receiving anything new today. Okay. So I, um, I feel like gen- we we're kind of generally around maybe between eight and nine. Would yeah. Be my guess mm-hmm. most oh, of the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then volume of books. Do you know how many we have? Around eleven thousand. Thirteen thousand sixty nine. Can you believe that? You said sixty nine. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing we always love to tell people about is every single one of those 8,005 titles have been handpicked by you or me or one of our booksellers. True. Yes. True fact. When we opened our bookstore, we did not buy bookstore in a box. You can do that. We spent months looking through, well, mm-hmm. we started with backlist. Yeah. And then we started looking at what we knew was going to be coming out the season that we were opening. Yes. Uh, and choosing from that. And so now we've got our backlist. And let's but- explain what backlist is. Backlist is something that's already been published. It's over a year old. Um, we have books that go back, you know, we have classics that were written hundreds of years ago now. Yeah. Um, and then we also have things that date back decades, books that have shaped us and our booksellers, um, authors that we firmly believe in, that we want people to have the full experience. You have the entire Murakami collection because you love Murakami yes. and Murakami <laughs> readers love Murakami and want to read all of it. And we have Barbara Kingsolver. <clears throat> yes, we have Barbara Kingsolver because everything she writes is a masterpiece. Um, there are picture books that I firmly believe in that even if we only sell one copy a year, I need that book on our shelves because I would be ashamed if someone walked in and said, do you have Miss Rumpheus? If we ever didn't have Miss Rumpheus, I would be embarrassed. I, <laughs> I would not, I, I would have failed as a bookseller. So there are certain formative books like that. that if you are a real book nerd, you know, you can come here and find it. Um, we also have the passions of our booksellers represented in some of the things they bring in. Um, Amy's The Samurai's Garden. <laughs> that cover doesn't sell of that book. Amy sells that book. Yeah. And now there are many members on staff that also love that. So that's our backlist. And then once we had our store set with 8,000 titles at that exact moment in March of 2021, you know, we were up to date, but then the cycle began. 
Yeah. So every few months we get, we spend a few weeks at a time, like going through catalogs from all of the publishers, what's coming up. And right now mm. we are going through the summer catalogs. and Spring are, and summer. Yeah. Spring, summer. Like April and, through July, basically. A few August books get thrown in there, but we yeah. are from here on out ordering what you will be reading all summer long, spring and summer. Yep. Okay. I um, came up with another little one for you. Okay. How many titles do you think we will have browsed in catalogs um, by the time we're done with our ordering for spring and summer? Oh, God. Too fucking many. I know. Um, hmm. Eight thousand. You are so good. You are so good. Okay, eight thousand seven hundred and thirty-one. Hey! So that's insane. That's more books, unique titles than we have in our store. That at like three times a year, basically, we're doing that. We're reviewing as many books as we have in the store. Can you imagine walking through our store and looking at every single cover? And like, yeah, I mean, and we have to look at all of them and make a choice. And it's not just want. covers. It's not just covers. You know, there's a synopsis written for each one. And so um, let's talk about a little bit about how we make our decisions, what we're looking for. I know one of the things that I get most excited about um, are the names of authors and illustrators that have already won my heart. Yeah. Like they can do no wrong. Yeah. It's it, very rare yeah, to pass we, on something. And them. also if it's an author whose work we've carried and we'll go back and we'll look at our sales records right. and how their books have done. So we'll think about, okay, did this author's last book do well for us? Are right. our readers into what they're writing? We look at things like, and none of these factors are the end all and be all. They're just factors. Right. We look at the print run. So if the publisher is printing a large amount of copies of a book that tells us that they are going to put their marketing power behind it. So let's give people some context um, for what a large print run is. If we see something in the hundreds of thousands, that's a large print run. That's a large print run. Um, for some more experimental titles, you know, 50,000 can be a, a signal of a large print run. If we see something in the millions, we're like, wow, crap, we got to at least have one. <laughs> there are a few yeah. exceptions. Um, obviously, we're always making sure anything we bring in aligns with our mission statement of acceptance and love for all readers. Well, and we also think about, we we know our customer base well mm -hmm. enough now that sometimes there's a title that has a large print run, but we just know that it's not going to do well in it's our store. It's for the airport bookstore. <laughs> or like a lot of celebrity memoirs. We've had a few that have done really well for us, but most of them don't. And a lot of those have huge print runs. Right. They're for Walmart and Target. <laughs> that can be your bookstore too. And we support you no, in doing can't. that. No, you have to buy everything from us. Special order, those rando things you need. Um, so if we don't have it in the store, that is something people need to know. Just because we didn't bring it in doesn't mean we won't or don't have access to it. Uh, we have access to everything in print. Of course, we will. Yeah, most everything in print. Um, all right. So, but we also look for like, sometimes when we're just reading the synopsis of a book, mm -hmm. maybe it's not a large print run, maybe it's an unknown author to us, mm -hmm. but if there's something about the content of the book or the plot of the book that seems really original and interesting, right. 
Like if I read that and I'm like, Ooh, I want to, I want to read that book. Right. Like, we'll we'll try it out. Yeah. You know? And it is, it's fascinating to watch themes, um, cover styles, trends yep. evolve season to season. So cover trends, I'm trying to think if there's anything right now. I, I feel like I said something to you in passing that was like, oh, this must be the new tie-dye watercolor cover. So in the last <laughs> year, there have been a lot of these kind of like tie-dye watercolor covers, a mismatch of colors. Yeah. Um, that that was the trend. And it it made them all look the same. There's also like certain fonts. Oh my that are, lord! We're like, you know what? We can't we can't pull the trigger on this book I because know. of that font choice. I literally say that to you all the time, especially in picture books. Yeah, when they their um, internal text of the book has a horrible font. I mean, we all know about Papyrus and Comic Sans. Do we though? Because Com- some people have not learned. No, they haven't. Um, this is us lovingly tell- telling you that if you like those fonts, to stop. Yeah. So if you weren't aware of this level of font snobbery, now you are. And that is the base level and you can move on from there. But I, um, that's why we love our graphic design team so much. Ripkey Design would never use Papyrus or Comic Sans. So yes, thank you, Shelby. We love you. Our graphic designer, you would never make us suffer that. But yes, um, and it's interesting too, we were talking about one of our favorite books of the last year. Not necessarily, I don't know if you would quantify it as that or qualified as that, but um, Lessons in Chemistry. Oh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was a killer book. One of my favorite of the whole year. And its cover is slightly misleading. It looks yeah. more superficial than it necessarily is. It looks fluffier, I guess. Yeah. It looks fluffier. And, and that editor... Uh, who produced that book, who worked with um, the author on that, has a new book coming out this spring that we're really excited about. Again, the cover is ridiculously fluffy. It, uh, You know who, what we were talking about? Um, shoot. I'm trying to think of the kids' mermaid book series that my daughter loved. Um, Emily Winsnap, was that you, Rachel? Good job. She called it. It looks like a middle grade <laughs> mermaid book font for the title what's the book american mermaid oh it's american mermaid i love american Mermaid. we are so excited about that watch for something to come this spring from us on american mermaid but it looks like a summer romance middle grade mermaid story you know what i think (laughs) i've decided i think this is a sneaky editor she is editing and pushing forth into the world these killer smart books that the American Mermaid is going to be one of my favorite of the years. I mean, I haven't read one of your favorite of the years so far, but I think it's going to be one of mine too. It's going to be in my top five for sure. If not my top three. And I think she's putting out a book that won't, the cover doesn't look intimidating. It looks inviting. It looks sweet. (laughs) It looks less complex than it is. And then when you pick it up, you're reading this very unusual story. And so so we are looking beyond fonts. We are looking beyond covers. We do read descriptions. And these, you know, and then once they're on our radar, we're asking the publishers for advanced copies. 
um, digital copies, physical copies, listen to the book, whatever we can do to get our hands on it so we can we, we can absorb those stories before they even hit our store. Because we're not only looking for things that are on our shelves, we're looking for books for our subscription. You know, yeah. we're, we're planning out right now. Um, it's February. We have, obviously, February is going out the day that this podcast comes out. So we might as well say it's Venco. It's super cool. Ellen, you read that one. You picked up months ago. <laughs> yeah, it'll... I mean, we can talk about it. Um, you read that one. That was one of your picks. Yeah, I love uh, Venco. Yeah, it's let's, amazing. Let's do a roundup of our ones and okay. on another episode. Okay, we'll do a we'll do a subscription session for you guys. But yeah, we're looking ahead, and right now, I would say we've There's got March, April, mostly April, May. Um, we're, we're reading out to June, July, and August right now. And so we're referring to these catalogs to try and find books that we can read now to determine if they are the, the book we want to order over a hundred copies of for all of our subscribers. Yeah. So it's, we're both, I think, getting much better at reading ahead. Yeah. um, And identifying what is coming out that we should be focusing on. But the culminating thing of the ordering process is that once we've gone through the catalogs, then we set up a meeting with our publishing rep for each of mm-hmm. the publishing houses, and they kind of mark up the catalog for us, and they say, here's what we think you missed, or maybe you're overshooting on this one. They or call undershooting. It, or undershooting. So they call our attention to titles that they're not... They have questions about our right. ordering decisions. And they also have insider knowledge. They hold secrets. Yeah, sometimes they'll be like, we know which celebrity book club this is going to be chosen for. <laughs> yes. So they can give us heads up on things like that. And if they've had the chance to read it or someone on their team has read it, they can tell us what people are talking about. Um, and so we rely on those experts to supplement our knowledge and guide us towards the right order. Um, we've... We're, what would we say, um, 50% through our spring, summer? Probably close. Yeah. Um, I just have put together a quick list of some of the ones that you should put on your TBR or to be ordered list. Pre-order these with us if you want to. Um, but these are the ones that we, you know, that are exciting. They're easy catches. They're going to be stellar um, books for us that should be on your radar. Um, Dear Edward is now a Apple TV series that I think it's starting February 3rd. I'm getting into Apple TV. If you guys have not, I don't watch a ton of TV, but I, I think I have pretty highbrow. Like Ellen's really highbrow on, on our <laughs> I literature. Was gonna say, you were going to say I'm no, highbrow. No, 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 no. Because I watched TV. Married at First Sight last night. She watches <laughs> trash TV. I watch highbrow <laughs> hey, TV. I have been watch, re-watching King of the Hill. Yeah. <laughs> that, like I told trash. you. Like I told you. <laughs> that is a... That is the mm-hmm. pinnacle of mm-hmm. smart television. Okay. Whatever she says. Damn it, Bobby. But <laughs> <laughs> I love the Apple TV show Shrinking. Um, I'm so excited about it. We are big fans of therapy. Um, this is about <laughs> therapists. Um, the only relationship I don't have to go to therapy over is you and me, Ellen. We were just talking about this. We have a perfect relationship. We have arranged the perfect marriage. Something we'll revisit in the future. But... Um, Anyway, Apple TV, shrinking, got to watch it. But uh, when I was watching that show, there was an advertisement for Anna Napolitano's 
um, novel that made a big splash maybe two years ago now, Dear Edward. It's in paperback now, but she has a new book coming out that I'm in love with called Hello Beautiful. Um, so if she's a splashy name for you, she's like the new Celestine, you know, if you're going to make a TV series based on an author. Yeah, I think that that's a good comp. That's a good right. comp. Yeah. Right. And so this one is slightly influenced by Little Women, which is where you grab me. I have four daughters. I'm one of three, four do- sisters. I was like, I got to read this. Loved it. So it's called Hello Beautiful. Then we have um, some big hitters coming um, in April. These are people whose names just get you excited. Emily Henry is like the queen of rom-coms. <laughs> like she sells like no other. Um, she has a play, one called Happy Place coming in April. Uh, in fantasy, we have TJ Klune coming back with The Lives of Puppets. So this is the House of the Cerulean. Am I saying that right? Close enough. Cerulean C. <laughs> Um, So there's always a bit of like magical realism. um, And I've seen a few people who have gotten their hands on the lives of puppets. Strange name, puppets. But they're very happy with it. Do you read Kate Morton? I have read Kate Morton. Me too. Historical fiction. So we're picky about our historical fiction. Um, We're judgy. We're judgy. (laughs) We just want it. If we decide whether to bring in a World War II book based on the number of bombers on the cover. Which is actually sarcastic. I feel like that is actually a really good criteria. We should do a blog post about that. (laughs) We will. We'll talk about World War II. How do you choose a World War II book? How do you choose a World War II book? (laughs) Things to keep in mind. Yeah. Pointers, if you will. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll, we don't want to spoil it now. No, it's the book designers. It's how they sell the book. Um, but Kate Morn is killer at historical fiction. She has one called Homecoming. Um, and then again, in the rom-com category or contemporary romance, Abby Jimenez, yours truly. Did I say that right, Rachel? Jimenez. Say it again. Jimenez. 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 Yeah. You've already mentioned the late Americans. It's actually late May, Ellen. Very oh, into May. So Abby's, Abby's book we've already picked for our Between the Covers book club. So, the, you know, I'm excited about this one, okay? So if you are an audiobook junkie, which Ellen is not, some people consume all their books, audiobook. Um, my husband does. Anne Patchett, speaking of, uh, The Dutch House. Holy shit, I love that so much on audiobook because guess who narrated it? I don't know how this happened. How did it happen? Tell us, Anne Patchett. Tom Hanks narrated it. Yeah, Ann Patchett, when you come on our podcast, tell us how you got how did Tom that Hanks. How did you bring him with us? you? Yeah, bring him. We don't him. care. We'll talk about audiobooks. It would be no trouble. Um, <laughs> but Tom is making inroads into the literary world. He's playing a man called Ove, Uve, and they change it to Otto. So he <laughs> is acting the books. He is reading the books, and now he is writing books. He wrote one, uh, a collection of short, short stories about um, typewriters. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> but now we have the making of a major motion picture masterpiece by Tom Hanks. It's a novel. So I have the advanced reader copy at home, but I almost don't want to read it because I want to listen to Tom talk to me sweetly, softly, the voice of my childhood. What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? Oh God. Um, I mean, probably Forrest Gump. I don't know. I remember going to Forrest Gump 
when I, I'm pretty sure I was in eighth grade when that came out. Yeah. And I went to it with my dad at North Grand Mall. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I really liked it. And I remember sitting in the car with my dad after the movie and talking about it for a long time. So I associate it with this like bonding experience with my dad. Um, But it's a great movie. Regardless. This is a tangent about another like binge thing just side note tangents what yes tangents we we go off on tangents i took my adhd medication and i promise i'm focused so this is only like half the tangents that you would normally normally. um your be grateful your people on netflix jonah hill i'm pretty sure it's netflix oh yeah it was so good it's about interracial relationships and he brings his black girlfriend home he, he's a Jewish American, white American, to meet his parents. And so anyway, one of the cringeworthy moments is when Jonah Hill's mom and dad are talking about Forrest Gump and how <laughs> he has, his best friend is Bubba. And um, the black girlfriend has not seen, I think she said she hadn't seen Forrest Gump or like, like she, yeah, the parents had it. I don't know. Anyway, they were trying to relate because they had seen Forrest Gump and his friend Bubba. And, you know, they're just like them. Their best friends can be black, too. Anyway, so that is a great um, Tom Hanks returning to the topic at hand. Tom Hanks, (laughs) who came back um, to the topic. But my favorite might be Big. You know, the piano scene. That's a good The weird fortune teller machine. Uh, it's a little look up creepy. Tom Hanks movies because there's like five gazillion. I mean, obviously the the bookstore one would be um, "You've Got Mail" with Meg oh, Ryan, yeah. major inspiration. Sleep was in Seattle. Oh, I uh, love the soundtrack to that. Um, so maybe in um, the comments you can tell us your favorite, your favorite Tom Hanks story. movie. Yeah. <laughs> tell us your favorite Tom Hanks movie. Okay, Rachel says Toy Story. <laughs> okay. Actually, no, that's great. I love Toy Story. Yeah, I do too. Those songs kill you as well. Oh, now you're all, Ellen said it was okay. Oh, you know what? That is so great. <laughs> I'm trying to be generous to both of you. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm to be generous to both Just a few more. Oh, Apollo 13. You guys, shut up. I have to talk about I the books. I saw Apollo 13 like eight times in the movie theater. I shit you not. You know why? Because Max Elliot Slade played his teenage son in it, and he only probably oh had my like two God. minutes of screen what time is wrong in the whole you? movie. He was cold in The Three Ninjas. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I kept I no going idea. to Apollo 13 just to see Max Elliot Slade for two minutes. You are so insane. <laughs> no wonder you watched The Bachelor. <laughs> I have thoughts about this season, but go on. All right. I just want to say subgenres of rom-coms. That thing you do. That was a good movie. (laughs) Ellen, focus. We have to give Allie Hazelwood the promo she deserves. I know. I know. It was very good. She's the better singer than me. The Allie, Oneaters. Allie, the Oneaters. <laughs> I remember. Allie Hazelwood has love theoretically coming out. It is a subgenre of the rom-com. Rachel's going to talk about that on the blog soon. Subgenres. This is nerdy love. Colson Whitehead is coming back Ooh, with yes. Crook Manifesto in July. This is it's, a... Con- it's sort of a... Steminist. Sorry. Steminist. No. Romance. Okay. Colson Whitehead. This is um, sort of an independent follow-up to Harlem Shuffle. So you don't have to have read Harlem Shuffle to read this one. Yeah. But it does deal with the same character. He, Carl, I really enjoy yeah. Harlem Shuffle. 
Um, and then the last one we have to mention because she is a former Ames resident and Dogyard Books employee, plus super fan of Dogyard Books. And a fantastic writer and human being. And Je- she Genevieve. should be on our pod- podcast. Yeah. When she comes back for this book, because she promised us she'd come back in the fall and do an event with us, Genevieve Gornichek, July, The Weaver and the Witch King. Queen. Queen. <laughs> Shit, Genevieve, sorry. The Weaver, weaver and, and the, the Witch, Witch Queen. Queen. And guess what? Genevieve's kind of a weaver. She's a crocheter. She crocheted herself a sweater. And she's a queen. She's a queen. Um, And then kids. 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 Just a few things to put on your radar. Dogman. Bad guys. They're both coming out. March and July. Number 11 for Dogman. Number 17 for bad guys. (laughs) And then a really popular... I tell people all the time, the substance that are in graphic novels for children is amazing. Mm Because parents are like, oh, I don't want those comic books for them. It's like, guess what? There's amazing storytelling happening. And one of the best is Jerry Craft. He wrote Class Act and New Kid. Mm -hmm. The new one he has out is called School Trip, which sounds so much fun. Um, And I actually listened hard an interview with him on NPR about this book. Yes. uh, Recently. And it sounds so good. School trips are amazing. And and then for YA, the big hitter is going to be Karen McManus's book in July. One of us is back. Anyway, it's a continuation in our series about murder in high school. So like the murderer comes back in the house and says... One of us is back. Exactly. (laughs) So that's what you have to look forward to. You're welcome. We're bringing those books to town. Um, You have received a lot of information today about curation, about upcoming titles, Mm -hmm. about Tom Hanks' filmography. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Every day is a book fair in our store. (laughs) You know? Um, we do have some more immediate releases that we ordered back in the fall for you that we want to tell you about. This is a book heavy episode, but you know what? You should be sitting there with a pencil or a pen and your little piece of paper making your TB, <laughs> TBR. Create like it. Yeah. Or as Rachel said, Goodreads are on your phone or because you're on, not old school you're me, like us. like on the back of an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Today... We have out a killer book by Stephen Graham Jones. Literally, Literally killer. There's going to be 20 bodies. So this, this is, is 20 the, bodies. The follow-up to My Heart is a Chainsaw. And I think that, like, when you're talking about the horror genre, it's all about the Stevens, okay? We all know Stephen King. But the mm-hmm. other Stephen is Stephen Graham Jones. With a PH, you guys? Stevens with a PH can write horror. If you have a V, fuck off. It's not your genre. Go home. Just kidding. Maybe it is. I don't know, but Stephen, I love his writing. I think he horror is not really my thing, but I you kind of like books. fucked up books. I like fucked up books, but I don't like gore. Okay, and, yeah, and Ellen, not, like, you guys, you guys remember see playing on Final Approach? <laughs> Someone bled out from their leg, and she almost passed out at. <laughs> Well, I was getting a while here. reading <laughs> while reading a physical book. She didn't even she wasn't watching a movie. She didn't see the blood. She read the blood and almost passed out in the pedicure chair. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a sensitive soul. Um, but anyway, I loved my heart as a chainsaw. And Stephen Graham Jones, if you have not read his books mm-hmm. and you like horror, you like thriller, you like any sort of like paranormal scary shit, you should be reading his work. Okay, someone who's been in the news 
recently for a horrific attack physically on his body for what he's been writing about um, is Salman Rushdie. He has a new book called Victory City. Um, It is considered a translation of an ancient epic saga of love, adventure, and myth. So this is like epic storytelling. It's I, I have a feeling, I don't need to look it up, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty fat. So it's as in a very thick book. Um, we do have romance for you. It is the season, February. Tessa Bailey, I don't know what she's, she must not eat, sleep, work out, walk outside. <laughs> she doesn't have a dog or kids. Actually, she probably has both. I don't know what how she's producing all this. She's fucking awesome, says Rachel. So she is secretly yours. Coming out, it's a new, the start of a new series, according to Rachel. Um, this is kind of like nerd love. It's a professor. Yeah, the, the male interest is a professor, and he's like on sabbatical from an Ivy League job, and he's going to write a novel. And then there's the cute girl gardening right outside his window. She's the distraction. <laughs> Literally covered in dirt. I'm so dirty. If I was out gardening, like that would not be attractive. So anyway, <laughs> really cute. I would not be a cute gardener. Um, another person who knows how to pull your heartstrings, Jojo Moyes, someone else's shoes. So this sounds like kind of a romance. Um, she's written Me Before You, that series, which was heartbreaking. And then more recently, The Giver of Stars. Um, this is asking you to live in someone else's shoes. It's it's taking that phrase and creating a fictional scenario in which you have to explore that. Um, Rachel, I'm excited about this. You and I both loved A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes, right? I've never actually read it. There was she loves, she loves Greek retellings. I love Greek retellings. This is the Medusa one? This is Medusa. This one came in. It's called, oh... Stone blind. Um, it is about Medusa, her snaky head. If she sees herself in the mirror, she'll turn to stone. It's like, really? Is that the myth? Yes. Well, you got to read the book to find out. What can Medusa do? It's what? The real, well, air quotes, real story of Medusa. But she was just a girl who was unfortunately on the wrong side of a god's wrath, like per usual. But of course, you know, in myth, women are always villainized. Mm-hmm. But this is like, she was literally a young girl who did nothing. And I love the way Natalie Haynes turns the story for why and how she ended up being cursed and the tragedy around that. And then even like post the beheading. And that's not a spoiler because everybody knows she gets beheaded in the myth because he's like, look, I can become king because I turned you all to stone. I apparently haven't been reading enough Greek mythology because I didn't know. Spoiler. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he t- <laughs> I didn't know she was beheaded. Now it's ruined. <laughs> you spoiled ancient mythology. You whore. Yeah. I guess uh-huh. I didn't pay attention. Um, here's here is an under the radar um title that we picked in our curation. Okay. I you know, I think. Actually, I think I shared a picture of this uh, cover, 
of Big Swiss by Jen Began with my sister, she recognized the artwork. It's someone who's considered a contemporary of hers in New York, a painter. Um, I love that. I love the idea of arts combining, you know, a great contemporary living artist producing the cover artwork for a really wild book. So premise of this one, this I'm going to tell you, is told from the perspective of a transcriptionist who's working for a sex therapist. And I fucking love this. It's like this town that the sex therapist lives in is like stars hollow, but it's all these like privileged people with issues. And they're like, you know, it's a smaller town than names. Like everybody knows everybody. So your sex issues, like she, she sees everyone around town and she's like, oh, that person's got this going on. That person's got this going on. But she's the anonymous transcriptionist who knows all the behind the scenes stuff from this kind of hack, hack therapist. And I freaking love it. He calls himself Om. Um, um, so yeah, that's what I got to tell you. That's what's popping on the shelves. We got to talk about what's popping in this store. <laughs> I got to look it up. I forgot to do this part. All right. What's popping in the store, Ellen? I got to tell everyone, you know, where's the dog? That's what they want to know. Where's Lovey? Where's Lovey? I know. It's like, where's Waldo? But you don't actually ever <laughs> see her. Um, she got a corneal abrasion over the holidays. That is a cut on your cornea. And it is a very long, slow recovery with the help of the Iowa State Veterinary School. Um, so we got to give her eye drops like four times a day. It's really fun. And she's wearing a cone and it's taking a really long time. The poor children. We will have story hour, but Lovey won't be there. I was really hoping she would be. But we she, want her to get better. We want we her want. to get better. Um, Thursday night, big event. 7 to 9 p.m. Trivia. Trivia. I unfortunately can't go because I have to go to the band concert. Ellen, it wasn't me. It's a good trivia night for you to go then because Ellen likes to clean up. She's a winner. <laughs> Actually, I'm not that great at trivia, but my husband is surprisingly very good at trivia. Yeah, because he doesn't read as much as you. So how does he know anything? I don't know. It sucks. He's like, not, it's not fair. I know. Friday night, 5 to 6 p.m., Totally Graphic Book Club. This is graphic novels for high school students. They have Capri Suns and snacks. <laughs> Capri Suns. Come yeah. for the Capri Suns. Let's see what they're reading this week. They're reading Thieves by Lucy Bryan. That's a weird way to spell Bryan. B-R-Y-O-N. That's hard. Um, is it Byron? No, that would be B-Y-R. This is B-R-Y. I support all spellings of your names. I'm not judging you. All right. That's all. Okay, you're going to have to cut that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we got popping. We got well, new we releases. Actually, mm -hmm. We could mm -hmm. say. So starting on Friday, the 10th, we were going to be doing Blind Date with a Book. <gasps> you guys. So you can come stop by and have a blind date with a book. People have been sending us screen grabs and suggestions since we opened. They have wanted a blind date with a book. I don't understand it because I'm a control freak. I don't want to have my cover covered. I want to judge for myself. I want to look in those pages and figure it out. But you know what? That's why I'm picking the books. 
I got the control. And then we're going to wrap them up and we're going to tell you why you should read it. We're going to be a little heavy on the contemporary romance, but we're also going to include other genres. So Friday through Valentine's Day, five days, I think it adds up to, you can come go on a blind date with a book if that's how you like to roll. If you like to live on the edge, if you like things a little kinky in your reading life. Yeah. Come grab a, <laughs> a book blindly. All right. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Almost. We'll talk to you on Valentine's happy, Day. Happy Valentine's Day, almost. Almost. Or we'll get, talk to you next week on the like love me, day. You like to celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for Valentine's Day this year? I'm having my college friends over for a weekend. In That's March. a real first love. I'm yeah. away with my friends next weekend i'm gonna do shit for valentine's day because nobody loves me i invited you to my valentine's you did what did i you oh you're, Ella- gonna, you're gonna be on the beach <laughs> no i'm not actually because i can't go on vacation oh so then come to valentine's maybe i will but um i have to teach puppy class so i'll come afterwards no valentine's is later in the month it's my daughter's birthday it's in march oh it's in march when you're going on spring oh break. i am gonna be on the beach <laughs> So why are you talking about Galentines? I'm just saying that's when we can celebrate. Oh, well, sorry. Talk about that in March. You're confusing me. <laughs> I, already, I told you when it was. I know. I'm so you. confused. I'm so confused. Okay. You guys, cheers. Cheers. Get the champagne flowing and the books going. And please be in touch, Ann and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yep, and if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs)